Today I'm sitting down with Dr. Thor Madsen to talk about how to use illustrations to teach the Bible effectively. It may not make headlines, but the kingdom of God is advancing today. Here on Timothy Talks, we're sitting down with church leaders and thinkers, learning more about the church today, the mission of the church, and effective ministry within the church. Thank you so much for joining. Welcome back to Timothy Talks. Today I'm sitting down with Dr. Thor Madsen, who is the Dean of Graduate Studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City. So we sat down to have a discussion about how to use illustrations to teach the Bible effectively, and it was a wonderful conversation. I was able to record the conversation, and with his permission, able to put it up here so that you can benefit from it as well. Now, I do have to give you a bit of a warning. Because this was a discussion that was recorded in an open area, there is a little bit of artifact in the um, recording, but the content was so good that I think that you will benefit so much as you learn from this discussion. I know I learned a lot. It was a real pleasure to have this conversation, and hopefully whether or not you are actually involved in ministry that involves teaching the Bible, you're going to learn how to use illustrations well, and that is one of the things that I appreciate so much about Dr. Madsen. So thanks so much for joining, and hope you enjoyed the discussion. I want you to tell me how you teach and how you use illustrations. One thing I can say is that and this is going to sound weird, but uh, I don't plan for about half of them. They just really? come to me. You know, okay. I, it just is what it is. But once I say it, then in future times, I, I'll remember it. You know what I mean? Okay. If I say it one time, that it'll um, that just happens. Um, and I, I think some years ago, um, I, I, one of my colleagues, Don Whitney, said something about this, which I, I had never noticed before, is that he he commented, he said, do you know that you speak in pictures? Uh, no, I mean, I had not had that pointed out. He said, yeah, I mean, you're, you're very pictorial in the way you communicate. And, I mean, I did say, well, okay, I... I guess I can kind of see why that would be true because I think that way. You know what I mean? I visualize things more than probably most people do. I, I don't know if that's more common or not. Like when you think about how you think through, do you visualize? Is that how you process? I, I tend I to. Visualize I mean, a lot. Huh? I visualize a lot. Yeah, I mean, so I, and, and <laughs> so in, I didn't really think of that as a particularly unique thing, but. But I remember him saying that at one point. He said, well, yeah, I mean, to an unusual degree. Okay. I, I, I just can't know that because I haven't, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I don't have a standard of comparison to, to look at. But that was something that was kind of interesting when he said it. I'm like, okay, well. Um, but I think, that to me, the, the greatest impediment to illustration, if you're thinking, okay, how do I, how do I come up with one? you first have to have a very clear idea of the fact you're trying to illustrate. Um, and, and what ends up happening is that sometimes when we're kind of hunting around for something like that, the problem is we have a vague idea of what we're trying to say. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's going to work. I mean, and so a lack of clarity is the biggest problem. And, um, it, and, and that's going to be true 
in a lot of other areas. Like, for instance, you know, people will talk about writer's block, and they're, you know, I don't know what... <laughs> They can't move forward. Well, that that's always because you're not clear about what it is you're trying to say. The words will come once you know what you're trying to say. Does that make sense? So similarly with an illustration. And um, that's, for example, then, if, if you think about the two parts, it's not just two, but let's just think about the two big parts of the sermon, like you kind of communicate that. You have your big idea, which is just some simple factual claim that you're trying to support with the text, whatever that might be. Um, You hope, if it's an expositional message, that it comes from the text. It's the the main idea to which all the details point, whatever those might be. That should be expressed in as simple language as you can, and if it can be vivid, so much the better. Um, uh, If you think about um, how you would structure that, this is one on 1 Corinthians 3, so, and what I might do to remind myself is I might handwrite things in here. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but um, what I've done is if you see the, um, the big ideas is the top part right there. So it's about selfishness and the need to repent to that. That's what this chapter is about. That's not trying to get complicated. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be very simple. They need to repent. If you were to illustrate that um, big idea, you just have to think about what repentance actually is. So what do you think about? When you think about repentance, you're basically talking about a U-turn, right? So can you think of a way to, to illustrate the need to turn around if you're going the wrong way? See, I can think of if you're heading towards a cliff, you need to do a U-turn. Exactly. But you I know, feel like, like that's really <laughs> simplistic. But, but the point is, they're going to remember that. See, yeah. I mean, now there, there are ways that you could do this. I mean, um, I remember to this day, Speaking of, I just mentioned Don Whitney. I just, just to this day, I remember him. Time he he gave an illustration. It was so good. As he said, imagine, because <laughs> we've all been there, right? Imagine you come, you know, you're landing in your hometown on a plane. You know, it's ten thirty at night. You've been traveling all day. It's raining. You're exhausted. You just want to get home. And you're crossing a bridge, and there's a guy <laughs> in the middle of the bridge, like trying to stop you, right? And you're irritated by it. You're like, why is this person <laughs> get out of the way? You know, and of course, he finally he stops you, and you know, you roll down the window, the rain's coming in, you're irritated by that. And he's like, Don't go further, the bridge is out. And says, so even though you're 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 kind of hacked off at the annoyance and so forth, it, it, but you're glad that he got in your way. Does that make sense? And sometimes pastoral ministry is about getting in people's way. Does that make sense? And stopping them. And um, it, he wasn't using that with this particular passage, but you can you can make it. The fact that I remember that, and this it's been twenty years since I've heard him preach that sermon. I still remember that. See what I mean? 
so that's um, how I try to think about the kinds of illustrations I would want to use. Is I, I want them to be unforgettable if I can. In any case, those are things that, that are um, you want them to be vivid and hard to forget. Um, um, I might, as an illustration, say, you know, you probably everybody in the room knows somebody who's brutally selfish. Like, that's pretty much all they think about is themselves. Okay, two favorite letters, M and E, like they just do. All right. And what ends up happening, and the Apostle Paul will bring this out, is that it's hard for anybody else to get over that. You know what I mean? When you know that's who they are. Does that make sense? And, you know, so there are different ways that you can bring that out, but you want, when you introduce it, to make sure that you hit the target. Like when you're, when you're bringing your illustration in, you have to make sure that at the end of it you say, that's what we're learning in this passage today. That. Self. Do you understand? Like, don't. Sometimes, you know, you can kind of forget to hit the point that you're trying to hit. Um, so I look at that. Um, I tend to, this is a Walter Kaiser thing. Um, you see, you know the book, uh, Toward, yeah, Toward an Exegetical Theology. There, there, he's like more than one book, but it's the Two Ward series. So it's Toward an Old Testament Theology, I think, Toward Exegetical Theology, I, it, but there's more than one book. And um, in there, he, he illustrates kind of how structuring the sermon from the Old Testament would work. Very good stuff. I mean, but one of the things that I thought was really valuable that he brought out is the need to have what he calls an exegetical keyword that helps the, the person hearing understand the relationship between the subpoints and the main point. Do you know what I mean? So if you look at this right here, what what do you think my keyword is? It's going to be that word right there. Reasons. See what I mean? That's how you link the the, the big idea with the subpoints. So and I enumerate. I'll say there are nine reasons or eight, whatever. Um, and once you have that, that's the structure of the sermon. I mean, you've got it. You know what I mean? So. Uh, in that particular case, it just worked out that each of the, you know, the Apostle Paul tends to be making arguments, right? When he, when he says what he does, he, he, it's like so much of the time it's, a, it's an argument with evidence that he's given. So you can, you can do that with the Apostle Paul much more readily um, and with other ones, but... Uh, to me, the biggest thing that you need for illustration at the front end, your intro, right? And then for your subpoints is clear statements of what each point is, not fragments. To it, I mean, not sentence fragments, a complete statement of thought all the way down the line. You can illustrate a statement of fact. You can't illustrate a fragment, a phrase. That's, that's kind of the one of the more important things and so what you have is you go down through it if you see it um, you, you know the first subhead 
he the apostle Paul calls them children. Well, that's a tee up. I mean, that's just like an easy one. Like you know, preachers' kids. You ever notice like how they <laughs> they're either <laughs> they're either wild and crazy or they're angels. You know, well, in this case, apparently they're the first. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> and he'll even say that about them. Elsewhere in his letters, he'll say, he'll refer to himself as their father. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a layup. I mean, it's an easy illustration right there, right? Um, they're enslaving themselves. That, that's one that um, you can think of all kinds of different cases like that. Somebody, you know, I, I might use one where a person is, um, you know, is love struck, love is blind. <laughs> They attach themselves to somebody who's bad. Right? They don't see the problems that they're leading themselves into. Everybody else can see, but they don't. Right? That's number two. Right? Do you see what I mean? Yep. As you go through, you can figure them out. Trying to do the impossible. Think of an impossible feat. Risking shameful exposure when their work turns out to be bad. That's the one I um, I already know how I illustrate that one. That's a uh, years ago. <laughs> my uh, my dad and I were were fixing a, a broken sprinkler pipe. We live we live in California and everything's irrigated. See so a plastic pipe underground everywhere, and it's you know it's for the irrigation system. Well, once in a while, a tree root will break a pipe. Or something, you'll have water bubbling up from the ground. So you dig it up. <laughs> we fixed it with with kind of a makeshift thing because you know the, we live far enough away from town that the plastic parts that we had were not ideal <laughs> for the repair job. You know, so we fix it. It's fine. We bury it. Years years later, like five years later, we're having some work done in that very same spot, and. Professional who's digging up that area said, "You know what? Some idiot did this. <laughs> it's us, right? You know. Of course, we're like we're not saying anything. You know, we're just like, wow, well, you don't say." <laughs> but um, anyway, I mean, that's you know where your work, your shoddy work, is exposed, right? I mean, that's a, that's a, another way. See what I mean? Once you have a clear statement of fact, then you can. Um, you can illustrate where where you get into problems is if these are fragments you can't do what I mean. So you have to force yourself to express the whole thought. Does that make sense? Yeah. Once you do that, you can illustrate pretty well. Um, there are in the Gospels you'll you'll have some tougher cases as far as structure goes. So I brought you an instance in this other one here. This is Matthew six nineteen, storing the treasures in the right place. That's a that's the big idea. So the big idea is store treasures in the right place. And my intro would be where would you put put a huge fortune? You know, and in the first century that was a problem. Right? You think about it. What if you, what if you had a stash of gold? Where, where actually would you put this? Do, do you see what I mean? That, that turns out to be logistically a problem, right? How do you do that? Where would people put them? They'd put them in jars of clay. And they, you know, so we have this treasure in jars of clay. The, that's what they would do. They would put them in jars of clay and bury them somewhere, hoping no one will find it. Or, you know, depending on what you thought was safe, you know, a bank or you name it. Um, but then you can say even today, similar 
problems come up. You know, if somebody said, congratulations, Daniel, here's a hundred million dollars. You know, what would you do with it? You see what I mean? That's, that's the challenge, right? When you begin, then you would want to uh, have a, a statement of fact like that. What makes this sermon a little bit more challenging is that when you get to, you go through different reasons, Right? For storing your treasure in the right place, you get to a transition at verse 25 where, if you see it, store, why store in the right place? Well, you have five reasons, right? They're safe from decay. They're safe from thieves, right? Heart will follow your treasure, okay? The <clears throat> wanting other people's stuff gets you into serious trouble, you know, true. I, I talk a lot about envy and things like that. There's no alternative. But then at 25, um, Jesus the, there, then says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. You're like, okay, wait a minute. Therefore, do you see the point? In other words, this section relates to what he said. But you have to think of it as answering questions that people would have once they agree with him, okay, yeah, we, we, we have to store our treasure in heaven. What kinds of questions would be normal for a person to be asking at that stage? Well, if I don't worry about money, who will? Do you see the idea? Okay, well, that's what this part's about. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes you have to be alert to the idea that the, the main body of your sermon Right, what you see in the first five, the five subheads, that's kind of the main thing. And then what I do is I treat verses twenty-five and following as kind of the landing of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, you suppose you've accepted everything I've just said. Are there questions that you would have in the light of that? Well, actually, you probably would. Mainly, how if I'm not as if I'm not hyper obsessed about money, am I doomed? Like, you know, the words, <laughs> will I, will I be in need? That's what this answers. You see what I mean? And the reason I say that is that there has to be enough flexibility in your thinking to where you, you don't force the, this last part of the sermon into the structure of the first part. You see what I mean? So I have like five reasons to store your treasure in heaven. There aren't two or three more here. You see what I mean? This is kind of following up on the questions that arise in that first part. You see what I mean? So I just make a transition there. Um, and it's, it's a pretty straightforward one. Um, it's just so human, you know. Okay, Jesus is calling me to this way of living. It does make you wonder, well, okay, but isn't this a recipe for disaster? Well, actually not. You see what I mean? And, and one of the things I bring out, or try to, is Jesus preaches this sermon to people who are dirt poor. I mean, they're as dirt poor as poor can be. You know what I mean? Or by and large they are. They don't have what we have. And yet he says that to them, and if he can say that to them, can he not say that to us? See what I mean? It kind of takes away 
all the reasons that people would have for not buying in. Well, wait a minute. They don't even have two changes of clothes. See what I mean? <laughs> they don't have anything, you know, and uh, that hits home. You see what I mean? So in uh, in trying to structure the sermon, I, I, I would try to tell people as best I can this, the most important thing to having all the other parts come together is paying great, great attention to the basic structure of your sermon. If you do that, the rest will come. If you kind of leave that at the vague level and hope it comes together later, you can't do it. So uh, that would be what I would emphasize, and this works for me. I mean, what I do is I italicize the biblical text on the paper so I don't... <laughs> I don't accidentally read part that, you know what I mean? I always italicize it. Um, it's 14 point font, yeah. so I can see it from here. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So actually, like when I'm preaching, I, I do, I, I have my Bible there. And sometimes I'll, a thought will come to me. I'll look, you know, I mean, I will use it. But mostly what I'm doing is I have this in front of me. I only do one side. Don't do two. That'll throw you off. I number them here. I'll, I'll hand number them at the bottom. I'll check the sequence before I go in the pulpit, and then this is what I'm looking at, and I'll just I'll just go through it like that. Um, <clears throat> so you've written illustrations. Yeah, in I might here. write something in. Yeah, okay. I'll handwrite it or, or uh, circle things that I want to emphasize. Sometimes I'll bold face it. I don't know if I've done that here. Um, yeah, moth and rust. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure I say that. Here's another one, thieves. This is the key idea, twice. Just so I know, right, that's where I got that point from. Um, if you see it, um, the lamp of the body, eyes the lamp of the body, all bold-faced, the things I want to say. Um, I don't always do that, but the main thing is to have a distinction visually between the, the text and whatever notes you've got. So that's what I do. On the topic of, you said earlier about thinking vividly or thinking mm-hmm. in pictures, I noticed you, you do this with some regularity, is you're explaining something in the middle of a passage, mm-hmm. and then you say, you don't say, now let me tell you the next thing, mm-hmm. you say, now watch this. Mm-hmm. And I just think mm-hmm. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's almost oh, visual yeah. itself. It's probably right. Like yeah, watch be an example. I haven't noticed that, but um, I do. I, I I do want them to be looking at the text more than even than they're looking at me. Like uh, so, I've heard a good, great way of illustrating this. Is, is <laughs> I can't remember who this is. Like it, it was somebody at Trinity. Um, I can't remember. It, it might have been. Bullmore might have been him, Michael Bullmore. I can't, or, but I'm not sure. But it was really good. As uh, he said, when you're preaching, if you see the top of their heads, <laughs> that probably means they're looking at their Bibles, or you know, you hope they are. You hope they're not looking at a sports score. But I mean, because you want their their eyes to be on the text, uh, so I, I tend to. Um, I tend to do that. I tend to try as much as I can to get them to look at it. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, 
you hope that over time, is if, if people hear you enough, they realize, okay, I'd better bring my Bible because I'm not going to follow him at all if I don't have that right in front of me. If I have it, I'm going to follow it. But if I don't, if I'm just trying to hear it, probably I'm not going to hear it. You know what I mean? I won't get it. Um, and uh, some of the time, I'd say about half, um, they will ask me ahead of time, churches, well, what, do you know what passage you're going to preach on? I'll say, okay, well, it's going to be this one. And it turns out they'll have it displayed behind me as well. I won't notice that. Like the, you know, but I'm linear, right? So uh, for the most part, they can just hit, you know, click, 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 and it will just work. Uh, once in a while, I'm not um, linear. I'll, I'll skip things and come back to them and so forth. But... Uh, for the most part, I'm just kind of going straight through it. And that concludes the discussion for today. So thank you so much for joining with Timothy Talks. Again, I want to apologize. I know the quality of the audio wasn't as great today. It was held in an open area. There was a little bit of music going on in the background. Um, so I know that it maybe wasn't as great as um, anyone would have liked, but I felt that it was such a great discussion that it was worth it to get this content on the show. So thank you so much for joining and see you next time. I'm thrilled that you've tuned into Timothy Talks. The podcast comes out every first and third Monday of the month. So if you've not already, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, it would mean so much if you shared it with your family and friends. Thank you for listening and God bless.